Hello, welcome back to Out of Our Heads, a pop culture podcast from the minds of myself, Joe Bordner, and the deadliest man in the West, Nick Protopapis. Hi, hi everyone. It's me. Good, good to be back. <laughs> it is good to be back. <laughs> so we, uh, you know, through no fault of our own, we, we, you know, sort of took a month off accidentally. <laughs> accidentally on purpose. Um, accidentally on purpose. Uh, we kept intending to record each week, and then yeah, it didn't happen. But it's not our fault. I mean... If you think about it, it was the circumstance because we wanted to. Yeah, we we really tried. <laughs> we really, we really, tr- we tried really hard. It was just that I was uh, where was I, Joe? I was I was trapped in the forest. Well, based on the introduction I gave, I would argue that like you probably went out west and became like you know a big cowboy out there. Oh yeah, uh, like a killer. Became, yeah, yeah. A killer. So, I'm a killer. So you've now. been like wrangling up the the criminals. Yeah, but I kill him too, right? I mean, you said oh, deadly. Oh, jeez. I mean, yeah, yeah. Deadly does imply that I, I, I dish out death for breakfast. Yeah, I mean, I think it's more of an implication. Um, like it's not. You're not caught on video killing anyone, and really, yeah, I don't like, think like, you would. No I don't think you would kill anyone. I think you just want people to think that you would. Right, right. No, no one that I've killed has lived to tell the tale, anyways. So mm-hmm. we don't really know, I guess. Um, yeah. Anyways, I was trying to get back, but. There was no signal, so I had to keep I had to keep fighting bears to the tops of mountains, uh huh, to get signal. And now it's a really tough situation. I think I think we've kind of built a contradictory lore here. Okay, whatever. Anyways, then I got to the mountain, and it was too windy, so we couldn't record. Things like mm-hmm. that kept happening. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really tough spot we found ourselves in, but we're back. But we're back, uh, and we continue to care almost as much as the fans do. Um, yeah because you guys are fans you really care (laughs) out there but we care a lot too this is our our, yeah yeah Yeah. so joe so how how have you been this this past month when i don't speak to you or see you at all (laughs) because i've been okay uh you know our friendship exists only here yeah that's hanging out um yeah not with me though not with you no uh i've been playing a lot of video games reading a lot of comic books wow sounds pretty nerdy so I'm assuming you betcha you, yeah me i've been uh i guess well i guess i've already told everyone what i've been doing in terms of being deadly mm. it's too bad anyways uh yeah it's uh it's good to be good to be back i'm glad yeah We've got a great show for you guys today. <laughs> oh yeah, special. We've been we've been taking the months to plan it so so well. Every <laughs> every joke and pause planned. It's gonna it's yeah. gonna flow like like melted butter. All right, mm-hmm. Joe. Speaking of which, uh, Nick, yeah. I believe you have a thing for me. I do. Uh, I'm returning to a sort of franchise I've talked about before. I know that in 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 the time that I've talked from the first one to this time. Your brother has become infatuated with these movies. The, mm-hmm. I guess they're called the before movies. I talked about the first one, Before Sunrise, where two people meet on a train in Vienna, I guess, and uh, fall in love, but only for a day. And they don't exchange names or phone numbers. And they're supposed to meet in the same spot in six months. And the movie kind of ends on an ambiguous note, so you don't know what happened to their love, their romance. But you got to witness their, uh, their love for just one evening. Or before sunrise, just as they had it. 
Um, and uh-huh. what I thought of that movie was that it was pretty great because you you get really good character stuff where you sort of just watch a conversation for a while, which is something I'm always hungry for and almost never get. Um, and the only criticism I'd really have of it is that, yeah, it's a little corny. I mean, it's you know, you can't really avoid it with a movie like this, but it is, it is a tiny bit corny. Um, and I, I mentioned those two more movies, and that was true. And then I also watched them. Um, so this, the next one is called Before Sunset. Okay. That's true. I like, I might have I like where you're up. taking always, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I always mix it up because I don't remember. But I, I, I do really believe the second one's Before Sunset. And that's actually my favorite of the three because I'm going to talk about all three. Uh, but mm-hmm. the second one is, uh, I think, you know, let's call it like seven years later, although I don't remember. And um, the guy <laughs> has written a book called, this is funny, it's called um, This Time. I thought that was funny. Um, about basically the first thing the, the first movie's about, like that chance encounter and the romance of a day. And the, mm-hmm. kind of the idea, very quickly, as they go into it, is that, you know, he wrote this book and she read about it, found out about it, and while he's in tour in Paris, book tour, uh, she kind of comes to his signing or whatever, his, you know, interview there. Um, and later we find out that he kind of wrote it on purpose to find her because, you know, he had no other way of finding her. And this was a good way of like sending out a, a feeler, I guess, uh, which makes sense. But but very quickly they get the idea across that like he was at the train station six months later and she didn't show up because her grandmother died, um, mm-hmm. and she kind of regrets that and she feels bad about it and he feels hurt by it, and that's kind of where we are with these characters at the beginning of the movie. And it's the same same deal. He's got a flight to catch in the evening, which is the sunset bit, um, and he's married now and he has a kid. Uh, but he's unhappy and she has a serious boyfriend, but she's unsatisfied. And, you know, both of them have these feelings about each other that are sort of like, they don't want them to be important because it was just that one night, but sort of can't deny, especially when it comes to a front like this, where he feels like abandoned and like he regrets the way his life, you know, his marriage panned out with this other woman. And she, you know, she regrets missing out on him and that sort of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And it, at first it goes kind of nicely. Like there's a little flirtation, but you get the idea that they're trying to be well-behaved and they're just like pretending like they're catching up, you know, things like that. Um, and then as it goes on, they they sort of are flirting more and you get the idea that, you know, he's interested in doing something because his marriage isn't, like that's revealed later, obviously. Um, and it, it's the same thing as the first one. It's one conversation, but even more because it literally <laughs> doesn't cut away for a second which the first one does a little but this one does not um so it's um it's one shot i mean maybe it's not one shot but every you hear every audio if that makes sense Mm -hmm. like it it cuts it's not like like birdman or 1917 oh okay okay like there are cuts it's just not you don't ever leave the situation the scene i guess Okay, I like that. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah. The first one was sort of like that, except there was a little, like, atmospheric, like, a bell now. Like, you get the idea you missed a little. Um, mm-hmm. But this one, definitely not. And then, you know, it kind of, I don't want to say, like, the at one point, it kind of, this argument bubbles up between them, and they get really emotional, and you're like, whoa, this got emotional, because in the first one, it's just sort of like, lovey-dovey, lovey-dovey. Uh, and mm-hmm. the thing I liked about this one a lot is that the world's imperfect, and like that, that like cheesy romance they had was like, like affects them in serious ways, like in a real world situation. Um, and yeah, I think this is, you know, one of my favorite movies ever, maybe my favorite movie ever. Um, oh, yeah, it's really good. Okay. Um, and like, 
he keeps going and he's like he, you've probably done this in real life you listening out there but she's like oh i'm going home now and he's like oh i'll walk you home and then she's like okay i'm going inside <laughs> now and he's like oh i'll come with you upstairs like that sort of thing um and you, you get the idea he's gonna miss his plane because he keeps delaying and then they're talking about nina's this is probably my favorite scene ever i really like this scene uh, i guess i'm just talking about this whole movie man <laughs> that sucks but it, it actually it doesn't even matter because even if you hear me talk about it and then go watch it you'll enjoy it a lot like she yeah, and it that, sounds like the the type of film where the it's more about the experience than the actual events occurring yeah 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 um yeah definitely and like i can't do it any justice anyways with the like nuance of the conversation like that sort of thing um so they go to her apartment she's doing a little like nina simone impression it's, huh. it's so good. I can't even describe why I like this a lot, but it's just so, like, cute, I guess. Like, she's doing the impression, and then, like, you're listening to this conversation, and you, you don't know when the end of this movie is coming, like, unless you're checking, you know what I mean? Like, this movie's really short. It's, like, an hour 17 or something. Um, mm -hmm. And then she looks at him, and she's like, you're going to miss your plane. And he's sitting on her couch, and he's like, I know. I am going to miss my plane. It's not, not that exactly. And then the movie ends. It's so good. It's really, really good, Joe. Like, like we, we, you know, we're sitting here. We joke around. Oh, you should read this. You should watch this. But like, <laughs> I don't think I've ever been more serious about you should watch these movies. And I know that there's a parasite in your household who constantly tells you anyways. So <laughs> uh, you should. I think I'm going to mainly talk about this one because it's so positive. I mean, I like it a lot. Um, and I think it gets the idea of the franchise across, really. Because I watched the first one, and now I want to like let you know and let everyone know that like the next two are as good. Um, but the okay. second one is definitely my favorite, and it's like I think they work better together. Just because, like, without the second one, the first one's kind of like corny, and I think the second one puts it in perspective really well. And then the third one is like, like how the first one's too corny, the last one's too dramatic. Mm -hmm. Like it's too like this like uh, love is bad. Whereas the middle one is just perfect for me in being like making me happy, but also being realistic. I don't know. Okay. Uh, yeah. The last so one's called. It sort of found the right emotional center for you. Yeah. The last one's called also the middle one's the only one that really has like only one conversation going. Uh, mm -hmm. The last one is called before midnight and is also really good. Um, anyways, I hope they don't make more because the last one really ruined me. It, the last one is funny because it like sort of takes these characters that like you love so much from the last two and like starts making them talk in the way that you're like uh oh you're my parents now um and it <laughs> makes me really uncomfortable because i'm like man is this how like relationships always pan out anyways um that's depressive uh, wow joe do you have something for me because uh i do i do cool uh it's not the most upbeat one uh, but today I'm talking about a short comic series uh, called The Black Monday Murders by Jonathan Eggman, uh, Tom Coker, Michael Garland, and Russ Wooten. Uh, it is a historical fantasy story. It uh, it sort of jumps around in time period, but it's generally like between the 1980s and 2016, um, which was when it was first published. Uh, and it follows a secret cabal of, of massively wealthy stock traders who actually traffic in... in uh, black magic huh. um and so uh one of the things that i'll probably get to later but uh they have like this in not too in depth but there's a lot of depth suggested 
uh, to um, the idea of a magic system that they go over. Uh, but <laughs> regardless of that, uh, <laughs> the story itself uh, uses uh, uh, that kind of weird subject matter uh, to like interrogate uh, capitalism, which you might expect, uh, yeah. while it's also spinning this incredibly compelling and I think dense mystery story. Uh, so essentially, at the beginning of the story, uh, uh, someone dies, uh, and we follow this one detective who is our point of view character uh, as he investigates uh, the murder of this prominent stock trader, uh, and that leads him deeper and deeper into uh, the the unsettling reality of uh, of what's going on in the world. Um, so the thing about this book, it is by the same guy who wrote or it's written by the same guy who wrote House of X, which is something we talked about on the podcast last year. Mm -hmm. uh, and you weren't a big fan of that one. Um, so it is, I think, you know, roughly contemporaneous with that book, or I think the last issue came out around the time that book started. Um, and it has similar design sensibilities and is similarly dense. Um, it, it still makes use of um, things that are similar to the data pages that we see in House of X. Um, unlike that book, uh, this is basically a complete story, and I think you would have a much easier time engaging with it uh, because of that. It's it's not dragged down in any way by by any long running superhero com continuity that's coming before or after it. It's its own story. Yeah. Um, I have a question. Actually, they, there are um, there are two volumes out right now, but there's actually a, a third one on the way at some point. Yeah. Are are the stock brokers in this book the heroes because you said black magic but before that i thought you were going to say something like human trafficking they don't sound like nice guys they are not nice guys okay. um the interesting thing about it is um uh i i don't know if i would pinpoint a hero exactly but the detective we follow is our main guy he's the protagonist and he's ostensibly up against um the stock traders oh okay that makes uh, but for sense. a lot of the story yeah for a lot of the story he's sort of uh you know still figuring things about them uh but like the other thing that we learn uh is that this guy is um at the beginning of the story he is a detective or he's a police detective who shot a guy in the middle of the street uh and it turned out that the guy um had like collected people's heads but there was like no way for for the detective to have known that <laughs> yeah. uh and so like this guy's like pretty unsettling himself yeah that makes sense that's kind of cool though. so that that's why that's why i say there's like not a strict good guy in the story right, right, right um and they they play around with that a bit um that like there are points in the book where you're like you kind of forget that like he did that at the beginning of the story uh, which is pretty cool because, like, you know, he's a he's an in-depth character and he is, like, at times a likable guy. Um, but then they bring you back around and you're like, oh, man, <laughs> this guy. Yeah. Uh, and it's pretty crazy. Um, I think, you know, one of the, the really good aspects about it to me um, is that... So, it's it, as I was saying uh, before you asked me that question, like, it's not quite complete yet. There's a third volume coming at some point. Uh, but, like, the artist has uh, health issues, I think, which is, like, preventing that from being published. Um, 
And so there there are loose ends, but I think these two volumes also tell a cohesive story between themselves. Um, and in that way, it's a book that that really encourages um, rereading. I think there's a lot of information they uh, intentionally withhold until later to make you go back to the beginning and think about things, uh, which is a quality that Jonathan Eggman does a lot in his writing. Uh, but it's also one I really enjoy because it, it encourages you to uh, think about the story more uh, than one that is kind of straightforward. Yeah, that sounds cool, like a noir type comic. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. Heard. No, I, I think there are there are noir elements to it. Like the the detective that we follow, like is is dressed <laughs> in a, a very stereotypical noir hero style. Yeah, that's um, right. It was like an old comic book kind of style. Like I don't know, if I whenever mm-hmm. I hear about a detective investigating something in comics i i get a good vibe you know yeah uh it's a very violent book at times so watch out for that um like there's just a lot of uh gore and like sometimes the 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 evil stock traders will like one of their their methods of like transferring power magically is like eating people's hearts oh (laughs) that doesn't happen that, yeah. that doesn't happen too often. <laughs> well, that sounds about right, too, though. Gory old comics, yeah. yeah. That's cool. Mm-hmm. All right, maybe I'll check it out. Yeah, it's a pretty cool comic. I, it's, I've been going through a lot of Jonathan Eggman's bibliography lately uh, because I got, I think, all of his indie work in, like a, in a sale recently for, like, 20 bucks. Uh, so I've been reading that, and this is, like, easily my favorite, I think, of, like, pretty much anything he's ever written. Sounds cool. Yeah. Uh, right. You want to move on to the main event? I, I really, truly do. Let's do it. So today we are talking about uh, season one of the Netflix animated show, uh, Kipo and the Age of Wonder Beasts. Uh, this is about uh, the eponymous character, Kipo. Uh, as she makes some friends and explores a something of a, a post-apocalyptic society where there are uh, mutant animals uh, that, that behave like people uh, that uh, have come to rule the earth while most humans live underground. Uh, and she is she's separated from from her city uh, and most of the story is her, uh, befriending a couple of other humans who have lived on the surface their whole lives. Uh, and for this season, she is uh, tracking down her father, who she got separated from at the beginning of the book, at the beginning of the show. <laughs> that was a pretty apt description, Joe. I was going to say, um, we haven't usually, you know, when we talk about the main thing, uh, we have at least chatted about it before. But I think uh, this time around, you sort of went ahead and watched two seasons. Uh, and I, I more slowly caught up. So we didn't actually mm-hmm. get impressions, and I'm, I'm curious to know what you think about it. I think you did a, a good job describing that first season there. Um, should we go through the characters a little? Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, so first there's there's Kipo, who I already sort of described, um, and she's... Uh, purple. Why? She's vaguely purple. Um, <laughs> uh, I think that is, you know, actually sort of alluded to um in the story but none of the other characters notice that's true all the um, other humans are like regular skin tones and she's just purple 
And at first you sort of don't notice because you're like, oh, maybe borough people are like purple and the outside people are more normal. Yeah, there's a line early on where she's, I, I think before we've seen any other people, uh, and like one of one of the the animals uh, mutes they're called in the show uh, refers to her her skin as being affected by like not receiving sunlight and I was like okay that's why she's purple right. uh, but then we see other people who live with her who are they're, definitely they're not, not purple. purple yeah um so that that is I think you know explains someone in the show uh, yeah but we'll we'll get there anyways I think yeah uh, for me you know Kipo is the most charming character for sure she's you know our uh our heroine and she uh she's very uh loving she she wants to believe that everyone is good and that's her main deal throughout the show is like in a sort of mutated and evil seeming world she finds good in people and tries to resolve problems with uh you know understanding people more than beating them to death yeah and she's also you know i think at times manic and often distractible uh which is Something that I find annoying in other shows, but I think this plays realistically with, to some extent. Yeah, I think it makes her pretty charming. Yeah. Uh, so she's cool. Uh, early on, she befriends um, another girl who has lived on the surface her whole life. Uh, we don't know her real name, but she goes by Wolf. Um, and she wears a wolf's pelt. Uh, and uh, she's she's very battle-hardened. Um and they go into her backstory later in the season, um, and essentially the idea is that she was raised by mutant wolves, and uh, they eventually turned on her, and she was, it is implied, forced to kill them. <laughs> That's true, she does wear a wolf skin around her, so... So the thing about that, that I noticed, is it's the same one. Her friend? Yeah. Or no, it's like one of the adult wolves. Oh, it is? Yeah, it's, like, definitely the same one. Huh. Like, I went back to check. <laughs> cool, I guess. Um... Yeah, um, it's a really weird... <laughs> this show, like, you know, I, I'm not gonna, like, overplay it and say, like, oh, this is really violent for a kid's show, but it, like, makes a lot of allusions to killing that I just, like, don't remember happening when I was a kid <laughs> on, on TVY7 shows. I think they've just, like, been pushing the boundaries more and more in the last decade or so. Maybe. Yeah, well... Wolf is a good contrast to Kipo, and she's like, ah, I've been hardened, and, you know, those two play off each other in a good way. Yeah. Uh, and so there's also a pig uh, that Kipo, you know, sort of takes in as a pet uh, that can't speak, uh, and she's not really a character, but her name is Mondu, and I find her uh, pretty cute. Uh, I, I think don't. as intended. I don't like it that much. Well, well, we'll okay. get into this a little later, but yeah. Um, yeah. And then besides that, there's, uh, what's his name? Uh, Benson. Benson, yeah. Benson uh, is... Uh... Who's a, you know, a, another kid who's lived on the surface his whole life. Uh, he's, you know, pretty cheery. Uh, he really likes music. Uh, my deal with Benson is I don't think they've fleshed him out too much. Yeah, um, I think that's true. He just seems to be kind of a reasonable guy. Yeah. Um, uh, he's, got a, he's got a friend named Dave who's like a, a mutant bug. Yeah. Uh, who is endlessly reincarnating, I guess, which is like a pretty neat idea. I love it. I think it's yeah. one of my favorite things about the show. It's sort of like it's sort of like Groot, or you know, when Groot dies, he becomes, like at least in the movie, you know, yeah, he becomes a baby again, and they're sort of going through that now, but like really quickly. And I just think that's a super fun idea, and like yeah, plays for humor really well. And and Dave and uh, Benson sort of have a you know 
two two comedy characters observing other stuff uh, vibe. Not always, but I, I like that yeah. this humor for the show. And uh, yeah, I yeah. mean, obviously a strength of this show since we've been talking about them for a while is just like the characters are really good, and um, I really like the way that conflict happens a lot between all of them. And like mm-hmm. just in some of the ways we've been describing, you can you can sort of see how that might happen. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I really like that. Sort of also the villains in the show, like a lot of the times, like I was saying, Kipo tries to find good in, in you know, some of the mutes that are bothering them in the episode. Um, and so what you get a lot is like, like a lot of the times the characters, the main characters, like the good guys quotes, you know, are like causing as many problems as like the outside characters, which, you know, I get that's how the story works, but like more than usual, I would say, where it, at least for me, like I got the vibe that like, everyone in the story is just sort of a person and like i, I mm-hmm. think that really came through which i think is super good for kids um and i enjoyed it was sort of refreshing um, yeah and even when we have just like the characters interacting like there, there's just like a lot of interpersonal fumbling yeah that definitely. i think makes them charming like there, there's a whole episode where uh like you know we're we're, we're built uh we're building up uh sort of that kipo has a crush on benson um and then at the end, then like near the end he's like oh i'm gay and like you know it's not like played for drama but it's like you know a funny more realistic interaction yeah it's a lot of that and i like how i like how those things sort of build up over episodes and continue logically after them like it's not mm-hmm. the next episode picks up and you're talking about like the characters are like oh you know fighting about something different this week like a sitcom or anything it definitely has like logical paths it follows uh, i think the best example of this is that Wolf and Kipo are, you know, Wolf, some, I don't remember which critter, some gang of, like, mutant critters, because they always encounter a new, like, animal, sort of, yeah. and, and the animal gang has, like, a, like, a, basically a career or something that they personify, <laughs> like, there's, what is it, there's, like, there's the, the wolves who are scientists, there's skunks who are, skate like, bikers, and it's, like, every, yeah. almost every episode, there's one of these gangs that, like, is sort of at the, at the forefront of their conflict or um but anyways they're, they're they're arguing about how to get by one of these conflicts in one episode uh and kipo ends up resolving it. it's actually i think it's the big baboon right kipo ends up yeah, resolving yeah. that in that episode with the idea of like you know it's just misunderstood and she like through the power of music you know lulls the beast basically uh, and wolf has been disagreeing with that all all episode and then the next episode i think is the one with the wolves where it's sort of the the opposite problem, where Kipo's being a little too optimistic, and she, you know, like Wolf is kind of right in that episode, even though the opposite was true before about the same exact conversation. And mm-hmm. I like how they flow through stuff like that logically. Yeah, I think the show. I think a lot of kids shows, especially these days, um, especially after uh, Steven Universe, which I, I think especially leans into this uh like there's just this temptation to have like oh well uh you know violence is never the answer and like uh uh kindness can solve all your problems which is like you know a decent message for kids but i don't think is particularly realistic and can also you know come off ham-fisted a lot of the time Uh, yeah i think so yeah uh which i i think it does (laughs) in steven universe but not here because i think they take well, they they take a lot more time to establish the characters early on, um, and also have the world 
react to them in that way. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it is still a cartoon. Sometimes there's silly solutions to things. Yeah. Um, it's not, you know, realistic in that way, but I like that, you know, both points of the conversation have some truth and some faults. And that's super cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think I think definitely the strongest two are Kipo and Wolf as characters. Um, yeah. Besides that, I'm pretty sure that we're going to get some more. I mean, I didn't watch season two, but Benson and Dave, I, I hope, get some more focus because it seems that... Mm. All right, well, I thought <laughs> I, they might. I don't know. I, I really did. A little cause, bit. Because <laughs> Benson gets a little more later where, yeah. you know, he's like sort of embraces the life of a hero. And I like how they did that. They did that over multiple episodes, too. Where there's like, okay, yeah. There's, you're right, you're right. There's one where they're dreaming and Benson's like really happy to be at a party where everyone loves him. And then in the next one, he realizes that like, in the next one, the conversation starts and he's like, oh, what if that's the happiest I'll ever be? And you're like, where are they going with this? Like yeah. <laughs> a deep, like a depression? And it sort of ends up where what he likes is like earning people's love, not just having it. Um, yeah, and I, I, I did like that actually. Yeah, you're right. and that, that has both examples of like a little character stuff and like the way it logically folds over from the, the previous episode mm-hmm. and I, I i don't know i like that i like that when i'm watching an episode i sort of i know how the character is feeling in the moment that's a little thing that's like weird but like a sitcom you sort of have to be introduced to how a character's acting that episode like oh this is my situation this week like i can't i the girl i don't have a girl and she doesn't like me like i don't know that's sitcom stuff right um, sure yeah and like in this one it's like well i know what happened last so i might have an idea a, a guess at least at how the character is doing now and i think mm-hmm. that all of that plays out nicely and logically because like the episode after that benson is like feeling pretty good i guess right and so it makes sense that he would try to go and comfort uh wolf when she runs off not to get too much into the plot stuff, but like yeah, I think um I think what you're touching on here is that this show does um sort of inter episode continuity a lot better than I think similar shows do. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think that is what I'm you're making the sitcom comparison, and I think a lot of cartoons are plotted like sitcoms, right? Uh, in that you have like you know a point of introduction, then you have uh you know the second act. Uh, you know, it's a three act structure, but but applied to so it's sort of arcs arc stretch out over longer than just one episode yeah. even though like there are mini arcs within each episode right but th- this one does a good job of constantly changing the character's goals too right i mean yeah like like i like how fast we got from well not that fast but like uh, you know i'm thinking of things like i don't know samurai jack i guess where it's sort of similar samurai jack's like man i gotta get home but first i gotta <laughs> encounter all these funny mutant creatures on the way and this one like every episode there's a little like something for you to nibble on where it's like oh now we have to go there like they're following a clue or something and like all yeah, things considered yeah. like they get there pretty fast like it makes sense and uh i dig that i think this show has really interesting pacing um or not not interesting uh there's like one choice that i find interesting and the rest of it is just like you know the show moves quickly uh, and i think that really works for it yeah um in in like 10 episode seasons where the episodes are 22 minutes long um you know something i find interesting is that we find out that Kipo has superpowers in the fourth episode. Oh, right, that. Yeah, that's um, interesting, too. And th- that's, that's... I don't know what to think of that, but it is something that, like, at least if I were working on a show, I would be inclined to put in episode one. Really? I think it works. See, I don't, I don't know. Like, hey, maybe, I, I... maybe, Joe, maybe it is in episode one, and it's that she's purple. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that's an interesting. I think that's. I mean, I haven't watched further, but it seems that yeah, he's I mean, going to keep I... like gaining more superpowers. Yeah, that becomes more and more a focal part of the show. Yeah, and there's like a backstory thing with her dad they teased. Um, so I'm interested in that. I, I like the way they use her like like uh, superpower, like fur thing as a as a conversation. Like like she's worried that people will, will, won't like her the same. I, you know, basic stuff. But I, I like I like the way that that like fear of not being accepted uh, was talked about and you know played up as an insecurity of Kipos and then actually like played out in a conflict between the you know main characters where Wolf mm-hmm. was a little like ah you're different I, I like that that actually came to pass instead of well Kipo we're your friends and we still love you like I think it's more interesting to have an actual reaction yeah 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 and especially that works because um you know it's not just that Wolf is saying oh you're different she has like I think legitimate reasons to be scared of of what is going on with Kipo. Yeah, in her tragic past. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we got some good characters here. The plot's, you know, interesting enough. It's a little bit like episodic uh, mutant problems, but we have an overall goal. Uh, something they tease, like I said, in the end of the first season is like something with her dad. The, the main villain's like this baboon that apparently knows her dad and he wants to enslave all humans. Like it's, you know, it's okay, uh, at least for me so far. Uh, but the strength is really in the characters, and then there's some secret strengths that we haven't talked about yet, but are probably more important in why this show's so good. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, uh, I I think you know, to me, I don't know if this is what you're getting at because we I, haven't I, I think it is. talked about it. Uh, you know, this show's audiovisual identity, yeah, unlike anything else in in animation or television. Um, you know, the the closest comparison is um just in terms of uniqueness, not in terms of, like, similarity, I think is Spider-Verse. Uh, they actually have the same sound director. Oh, um, really? Yeah, nice. uh, which makes sense. <laughs> um, yeah, this show, especially with its... Um... Are, are you... Uh, I remember when we talked about the first episode a few weeks back, um, you weren't so hot on, like, the art style. Are you still, um, are you still there? <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty much. My favorite... Probably my favorite thing about the show which, I mean, I guess is my char- the characters, but, like, besides that, that really got me hooked is, like, the way the music interacts with the animation and the type of yeah. music, because it's, like, not something you hear often, at least not in, you know, cartoons or shows or anything, uh, and the way it's, like, I don't know, I get, like... It's it's a lot of R&B. Like, yeah. Um... It's, like, you know, it's music made with with machines, like, and so that works really well for, like, you know, strong bass, you know, beats... And then that, that works well for the, the cuts and the way the characters like are doing whatever the hell they're doing, running around, I guess. Yeah, and a lot of it is so there's there's a good mix, I think, of, of diegetic and non diegetic music. Some of it's composed for the show, some of it is just like music they've taken uh from like established artists, uh, which is pretty cool. Um you know, I, I think a lot of the original songs they write for the show, early on it seems like they're gonna be doing like one new song an episode which doesn't really pan out uh but like you know it, it's a pretty good rate um and i think all of those original songs are, are just really solid um and contribute so much to the show's identity uh yeah i think there's i mean i got by the by the last episode i'm just so hyped for like they do an intro like a you know somehow oh, yeah cold open and then and then sort of it like the bass drops and they they throw in the 
the the Keepa logo, and it's like that's kind of the best part of every episode in a way. Oh, it's so good! It is so good. <laughs> like um, her her name, so the name will like appear in the environment in some way yeah uh, and then they'll like slowly zoom in on it after the cold open and then it will like cut to the title sequence yeah i would honestly uh, just so good even if the show is absolute garbage i would probably go and watch all the intros just for that like it's just so satisfying i don't know like yeah i really enjoy it um so there's there's that and uh i really like the way the characters move and the action sequences go like they're a little crazy but like i think they really work for like the big world they're doing where they're like you know, they're, they're with a giant frog and they're flying on the the dragonflies and then they fall down the length of a enormous bunny, like, and everything's bouncing around and the frog's tongues can, like, launch at things and bring them closer. You know the one I'm thinking of because you've seen yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you get a lot of that and it's super cool. I like it. Or even in the second mm-hmm. episode, I think it's the second, um, where we introduce Benson and he's like climbing like an old cell oh, tower yeah, yeah. and then like something comes and destroys it and he like falls while listening to the music and his cassette player and it's like it's just really great um and i really like the way that the action plays out in this show yeah i think um you know so so i'm gonna i'm gonna nitpick a few things uh which i think are like fairly obvious and don't like really affect my enjoyment of the show and uh they actually like go away pretty much completely in season two um but I think there are times uh, where, like, it becomes apparent that the show probably didn't have, like, the highest budget. Um, and, like, you know that thing? I don't know exactly how to describe it. I guess some um, fake animation uh, where, like, it, the character is a JPEG that sort of moves across the screen. Like, there, there's... um. There's one scene in episode two, I think, where where uh, the kids are like riding on Dave, um, and they're like flying through some buildings. Oh, um, I see what you're saying. And... So it's just like the image gets bigger or whatever. Yeah, like the the, okay. the no new frames are actually being drawn. Like they're just um yeah, like probably because of time time or budget constraints. They, yeah, they had to uh, you know, and I I think that is less interesting to look at. It doesn't happen the most frequently, yeah. um, but it is like in element that's in the first season yeah it was not the best like you know budgeted animation ever but i think that the the slower not slower but like you know one cut two cut and the arms like further than you might expect like not seamless i don't know what the opposite of seamless is um <laughs> that's actually something I, I yeah like i get it but that's something i like for the music that's not what you're talking about now but like it, it's not that it's like it's good despite that you know despite sort of yeah, yeah. being a lower budget thing um but i, I yeah and i i think it improves in season two i don't know if they have as many standout shots in season two but in they also have like none of the stuff that i would obviously call like like that i would call like obviously low budget yeah uh yeah but that's like you know no fault of their own hopefully it gets yeah, better yeah um it's uh it's perfectly watchable <laughs> yeah one thing i don't like and i guess you do is that i I just really don't like how anything looks in the whole show, <laughs> which is really unfortunate uh, when it's a cartoon uh, and like there's lots of bright colors and stuff, but I, I really don't enjoy just like the color palette, I guess, a lot of the time. Uh, I don't mm. love any of the character designs. I kind of like Hippo. I, I kind of like Hippo's character design. I kind of like Dave, Dave. No, I guess, you know what? I do like a lot of the character designs. I just don't like the colors a lot of the time and some of the like wonder beasts i guess the mutant beasts i don't love um, that's fair and like 
that's kind of my problem with it. Like I never am looking at this and I can just like pause it and be like, not that I would do that really, but like I can't just pause it and be like, that looks nice. Like it just mm-hmm. never does for me, um, which sucks. But yeah. Yeah, I think um, I think this show does a good job with backgrounds. I don't know what you think about that. I think the backgrounds are okay. I don't have anything special. I think they work. Um, mm-hmm. I think they set a good vibe just like a lot of the creatures and characters do. It's just that it's not my personal, like in my personal taste. Like if you like this, like even better. But like for me, it's just like a little bit like, like as much as I love what's going on in this world and like the characters in it, like I don't really like, I don't like being here, I guess, as you could say. Um, okay. I don't know. It's, it's, it's just, I think it's a lot of time. It is the colors. Like I just wish Kipa wasn't purple, which is an unfortunate, <laughs> unfortunate thing to say. Like even if she is purple, like, her hair is just like slightly less like ugh, I just I really don't I don't like it. I don't like it. Ugh. Okay. Yeah. Uh I I think I disagree. I I um the eyeballs too. I'm I don't a like lot the eyeballs. More... Oh, see like I really like um kind of everything's very angular. I guess would be a way to put it. Um you know, like uh Kipo has very spiky hair uh and like their eyes are like yeah, that's kind okay. of diamond shaped. Yeah. Um I don't like their eyes. Like it's it's sort of anime. Um No. You know who I okay, my least favorite is her dad. I hate looking at her dad. <laughs> <laughs> he's just so he looks like a clip art. It's just so He does look kinda generic. He's so clip artish. Ugh. I I don't know. <laughs> I think um for me uh i don't really have a problem with the art style i think um the colors work for me um i think mainly the show to me looks very good when the scenes are set at night uh the daytime scenes kind of rub me the wrong way wow i think i disagree again oh i think i like that well i like it when things are purple like the sky's purple (laughs) because then i'm like okay i'm like i get it like i'm vibing with this apocalypse like things are slightly weird that's a nice purple in the sky you got Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I like. Okay, here's one thing it. I did like: the clouds, like that one time with the clouds. Oh yeah. Where they're like cutting. That was nice. That was some nice colors. And I, I kind of like the big field with the giant dogs too, with the dandelions. Mm-hmm. That was nice too. That was nice. I have to say. Okay, I think this is just a point of contention for us. <laughs> yeah. It's all right though. But I mean, you know, however it is, like even for me, where it's kind of a problem, like. It won't be a big enough problem, you know, because mm-hmm. um, I pretty much hate it as much as I can. And uh, yeah, so I mean, either way, you should watch it. The show, keep up. Oh, we should talk yeah, about, you uh, know, Joe. We should talk about what? How the subtitle is stupid and doesn't make sense. Oh yeah, uh, I was texting you about this. I think last week um, because you were catching up, uh, and I was like, well, here's the thing about Keep on the Age of Wonder Beasts. Uh, is that while yes it is set during an age you know this is 200 years after our present day the things in the story are called mutes they're not called wonder beasts should, ever the show that. should just the show should just be called kipo yeah honestly that that's what the webcomic it was based on was called i, I don't really know what the subtitle adds <laughs> i i don't think it adds anything i think it's weird that no one calls anything a wonder beast ever um they they say i don't think they should i think it's a bad name yeah uh the other thing <laughs> i think I, mute is a lot better the other thing i don't like is in, in my favorite part the intro part where kipo the logo comes up i don't like when it i don't like when the subtitle has to like shine out and there's this weird glowing effect i don't dig it it ruins mm. my moment um 
Like if it were just Kipo, you would have appreciated it a bit more. Yeah, I would have like. I think I would like Kipo, and then it, like the song plays a little more, and then when the beat changes, like the colors flash a little, and then like it, it goes to the, the the name of the episode. Uh huh. Yeah, that's what I would like. <laughs> I don't like the like shining like in the age of Wonder Beasts. Like what? What is this? Yeah, it feels like it feels like a weird marketing decision, and I understand it's totally one that they can't take back. <laughs> like, because I'm sure there's like merchandise or whatever that has that on it that's true that's true <laughs> um like it, it was definitely like oh well this is a dreamworks show so we need to like you know get it within our like seven to eleven year old target demographic we need to name it this why is it why is it a dreamworks show like is it like what is the, what is this comic um i think from my understanding uh the webcomic artist uh basically made them while he was already working at dreamworks on on boss baby i believe <laughs> Wow. Uh, and, you know, one of the higher-ups, like, found the webcomic and was like, hey, we should hire the guy who makes this. And then he was like, oh, we already hired him. Let's give him a show. That's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, it is pretty cool. I like that success story. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm super excited for season two. I know we've already seen it. Um, but I think it'll just get better from here because that's what always happens with these cartoons. Um, yeah, I'd totally, uh, I'd totally be willing to like rewatch it even when we, whenever we do an episode on it. Nice. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm pumped. I'm for season three. Pretty pumped. I'm pretty pumped because it's just it's nice. It's nice to have another good cartoon out there. Because mm-hmm. right now it's kind of just like, I guess I'm waiting for Dragon Prince. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that what I want to do with my life? I don't know. Um, yeah, I think. Um, speaking of like, you know, just that this is a DreamWorks property. I think this is their strongest show of oh, like yeah. the Netflix stuff. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, I have not seen any She-Ra. Well, we tried uh, to do it for the you... podcast, but I didn't like it so much that I said we should. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I hear that gets better um, though. Yeah. A lot of people love that show. Um, you know, I have seen a lot of Voltron and so have you. <laughs> not good. It's not good. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah. So if you're, if you're hungry for cartoons and you've already seen all the good ones, or at least sort of, like the new age ones this is a new new age and it's yeah this is i think where i want animation to go yeah i was about to say when i was watching this earlier today i was like man we're really on the cusp of the next great like animated thing Mm -hmm. like almost we're almost there like it's it's not kipo but it's the next thing don't you think i think i think kipo could really become like really great no nah i mean you just don't like the art style that's true (laughs) I i mean I think it's really great. I just don't think it's the great thing. Okay, okay. I think it's not going to be like, you know, if we're making comparisons, Adventure Time sort of defines right, yeah. that sort of section of television. I think Avatar Last Airbender did a similar thing. Yeah, um, this is like the regular show, and I'm waiting for Adventure Time. <laughs> if, you, if you dig that analogy. So, uh, you know, I won't talk too much about this. Um, do you see J.G. Quintel has a new show on HBO? Uh, who? Excuse me? He's the guy who made a regular show. Oh, oh, I did. Yeah, the one about regular people. Yeah, uh, I need to watch that. No, I'm okay. I also don't okay. like the regular show. Well, I guess I do, but I like it when they're... I don't like the humans in regular show, which I think is a fair thing to say. Okay. Right? And these are these are more of the humans. They look gross. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I stand yeah. by that. I mean, the thing I, I've always found interesting about regular show, especially as a kid, uh, <laughs> is it's this weird adult program that found its way, its way onto Cartoon Network. Pretty much, yeah. It does seem like, like it's it's um you know it's a sitcom that has 
what a kid would consider swear words. Um, <laughs> and like all its plots are like either mundane or trippy. That's true. You're not wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, you want to move on? I, I guess I do. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, Nick, uh, today, as we do every week, uh, we are talking about, uh, you know, our favorite board game narratives. Yes, of course. I love board game narratives. Yeah, uh, thank you to my brother for this last minute idea. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, what's your favorite board game narrative, Joe? Well, so sort of in thinking about this concept, uh, a lot of games have settings, uh, you know, Candyland, I don't think, has a very fleshed-out mythos. Uh, wow, thanks. <laughs> so I would not indicate that. I, th- I think, you know, everything that you experience about the story of Candyland comes from the visuals on the Candyland board. But there's so many locations and characters, Joe. It seems thought <laughs> out to me. I don't... Look, on, I I could, like Joe, can... I could get you to believe that there's, like, some stupid, like, web web show about Candyland that existed before the board. Something stupid like that. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you could get me to believe that, but it's true. <laughs> um, you know, I'm sure that that uh, Candyland has characters. I don't think they're well defined ones. Yeah. Um, Stupid Candyland. I mean, the, thing, the thing about undefined the thing characters. About board games, <laughs> well, I, I don't mean specifically characters that go through development. You should have. You should I have mean, developed I mean, your characters. <laughs> I mean characters that serve a narrative purpose that helps the gameplay. So like in Clue, right? Uh, you know, you have characters uh, that sort of have characteristics and that's... Wow, really? Sorry. Mm, yeah, I think so. Characters, characteristics, um... I'm, I'm messing with you. <laughs> uh, and that, that sort of encourages you to want to play the game more. Another board game I think of a lot is uh is secret hitler which doesn't so much have characters uh besides like the players and hitler i guess Mm -hmm. um but like the 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 setting of that um i think contributes to your want to to like your desire to play it Mm -hmm. that makes sense um let me think i uh board games i guess i like I don't know. I'm trying to think of. I'm thinking of my favorite games, but I'm also because I like this game Carcassonne a lot. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't have any characters because it's a board game. Um, yeah, I mean, so you know, I've played Carcassonne before with you, actually. Yeah. Um, and I guess the narrative trappings of that game is just like, I don't know, it's Kingdom expansion, but it's like. I guess you are the yeah. I guess I guess the geography is sort of the character in that. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like I like that actually. You know what? I do like that, and I think that fits with the things I like. So I'm going to run with it now. Um, <laughs> cool. In that game, you sort of build a uh, fictional, you know, world map sort of by connecting tiles together. Um, and, and I like the idea that the way the tiles are arranged affects geopolitics. Um, yeah, I mean, the cool thing about Carcassonne is um, there's conflict, but it's entirely conflict over, like, what's placed where. Like, yeah. there are no people. Yeah, it enforces the idea that environment has a lot to do with success of a civilization, and I like that. Like where the roads are and where the nearest, you know, where the nearest invading kingdom is. So I guess that's my favorite, which is a very lame answer. Um, 
but I really no. I mean, uh, I I think that's interesting. <laughs> I like the characters think, and get uh, cheesy. I think smarter people uh, could talk about this <laughs> at some length. Yeah, <laughs> or people who know more about this subject. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we could just talk about board games we liked if you wanted. I think we've done that. All right, fair enough. Anyways, uh, we'll do it next week because we do it every week. So whatever, right? Yep, that's that's what we do. <laughs> okay. Okay, Nick, you've got a wise quote for us to close out the show. I do. This one, let me just make pull it up to make sure I've got it right. It's from a song, which I don't think we've ever done before, and it's by oh. it's by Lou Reed. No kind of love is better than another, except he sings it. He goes, "No kind of love." Is like, but I can't really remember. Anyways, it's like that. Is better than another, like that. Cool. I think I agree with that sentiment. Interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's different kinds of love, you know? Yeah. Like the love of our audience. Exactly. <laughs> I'm really feeling that love tonight. Oh, yeah. I can feel the love tonight. All right, Joe. Let's let's be okay. done now. <laughs> let's do it. Thank you for listening to Out of Our Heads, a pop culture podcast from minds of Joe Bordner and Nick Pratapapas. You can contact us at outofourheadspod at gmail.com. My Twitter handle is at Joby underscore draws. You can read my completed webcomic or not at jobydraws.com as always nick has nothing to promote we'll be back next week in the meantime don't forget to rate and review us on itunes it would help out the show bye